0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you're having a great day. We're uh, hopefully going to Dr. Alex. Hear me? We hear him in the background, but we're not totally with him yet. Alex, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? There you go, brother. Nice to nice to hear your voice. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks. It's great
1: to be here. I, I appreciate always uh, being on the Bill Arnold Show oh, wow. and the Faith
0: Radio Network. Well, thank you so much. You know, I've been, I've been listening to your podcast lately, and you are... Um, doing such great work at alexmcfarland.com. What I'd really love to do is talk a little bit about the Israeli war and Bible prophecy, and what does all this mean? Because people have been asking questions about Ezekiel 38, and I would love to have this discussion from a a biblical standpoint and not so much a political standpoint, because I know that gets into weeds, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Wow. Well, Bill, thanks for having me on and thanks for, um, you know, caring about issues like this. Yeah, I I really do believe one of the great uh, proofs that we live in a supernatural world has been just the resilience and the perpetuation of the Jewish people. And then 75 years ago, May 14, 1948, the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Um, In fact, Bill, even Mark Twain, the very famous writer who was not as far as we know never did become a Christian sadly mm-hmm. but Mark Twain famously said and this was back in the 19th century but he said all things in this world are mortal but the Jews huh. and he, and Mark Twain said the existence of the Jewish people uh, is one of the greatest uh, proofs of the reality of the supernatural but um, Israel has suffered persecution wave after wave of persecution And Psalm 122, verse 6, says that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. All them that love thee will prosper. Uh, And this goes back to the Abrahamic covenant back in Genesis 12, 3, where God told Abraham that uh, I will bless them that bless you, curse those who curse you. Um, God promised Abraham three things, um, seed, soil, and a savior, uh, as has been said. Abraham, look at the stars. Your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars of the heavens. I'll make you a great nation. Everywhere your foot treads, I'm going to give you this land, uh, and that's the land of Israel that is sometimes called the Fertile Crescent. But the one key part for all of us in the Abrahamic Covenant was God told Abraham, through you all the families of the earth would be blessed because through the people of Abraham would come the Messiah—that's Jesus. So, uh, Bill, I, I truly believe, you know, whether it be Pharaoh in the Old Testament, Haman in the Book of Esther, Herod at the time of Jesus, Adolf Hitler in the twentieth century, the the Bible says that Satan has opposed Israel because through Israel came the one who would defeat the works of Satan, Jesus, and that's why the precious Jews. People have suffered persecution really throughout their history, even to this present
0: month. Dr. Alex McFarlane is my guest. Alex, let's talk about a prophecy in in this. uh, Ezekiel Ezekiel 38 talks about Gog and Magog, which I think confuses a lot of people, including me at times. Uh, But just before the return of Christ, there was that prophecy that Israel would be attacked.
1: Yeah, you know, the funny thing, on Friday, October 6th, I was in the studio recording about Ezekiel 38. And interestingly, and this is not hard to remember, but two of the key Old Testament passages would be Ezekiel 38 and Psalm 83. So just invert those numbers. Ezekiel 38 and Psalm 83 talk a lot about Israel. Uh, But in Ezekiel 38, there are a lot of nations listed that are... Part of what we would today call the Arabian Peninsula and that they would, you know, attack Israel. And I was recording this on Friday, October 6th. And, we, of course, the world woke up Saturday morning, October 7th, to see that this war is going on. Very sad. You know, at present, a million people are displaced, um, you know, uh, 1,400 plus Israelis have died, 15,000 Palestinians, um, is very sad. And, and we know that peace will only really come when people surrender to the Prince of Peace. But I mean, isn't this something, Bill, that scripture written, you know, centuries before the birth of Christ is we, you know, being played out today, you know, um, tells me that the Bible is of divine
0: origin. Oh, is it ever, mm. Alex? I would love for you to give us a little bit of a history lesson, if you can, on the region and the the ownership and who's saying what belongs to who and why the hatred and why the fighting. Well,
1: yeah. Let me say it's funny, uh, Bill. I, I'm as pro-Israel as a human can be. Okay. And yet, I wrote an article that I sent to my publicist that I hope is going out to the national media this week. And I and I was saying, look, uh, the Palestinians are human beings too that God cares about. And uh, I think you know, I'm there's not a, a liberal bone in my body. There isn't, and I, I stand with Israel and against terrorism. Uh, but at the same time, we really need to pray for all of the people over there in that land because the, these people are souls, you know, that that need the Lord Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. so, in our in our zeal as Christians to stand, you know, with Israel, at the same time we're also, at, at least in a spiritual sense, standing for the the spiritual welfare of the the non Jews because all jew gentile arabic muslim whomever they all need the lord jesus christ but to your question bill about the history lesson um muhammad the founder of islam was born in 571 islam started about 622 and so and and i was over there a couple of years ago just right before covid and talking to a group of college students literally on the temple mount and I don't think it's a surprise to anybody to say that there is incredible animosity of the the Islamic Palestinians, which, interestingly, the term Palestinian uh, is a more modernized word for Philistine. Isn't that something the perennial enemies of Israel in the Old Testament, the Philistines, and man, this is going to blow your mind, I've got something that, you know, it's just, I think, an incredible thing to share here in just a moment. But the the people of Philistia, by the time of, of Aristotle, occasionally the Greeks were calling them Palestinians. And, of course, by the 20th century, that was a, a common name for the Muslims of that region. Now, at the time that Israel reconstituted itself in 1948, Muslims had largely been in control of what we call Israel for 1,300 years. Now, in the Islamic mind, that means ownership. Mm -hmm. But understand that the Jews had possessed that land 2,500 years before the birth of Muhammad. So while, um, you know, 622 to 1948 is a long time, Though, really, by historical precedent, you know, going back, um, you know, 36 to 3800 years, by historical precedent, and I would say by divine right, the land really does belong to the Jewish people. Now, how have um, pro-caliphate Muslims gotten around the Jewish um presence in that land that goes back three and a half millennia, um, well, through a lot of rhetoric and violence, and that's very sad. But, uh, Bill, it's a complicated enough situation. I think anybody would have to agree. The only person that can unscramble
0: this egg is God himself. Mm -hmm. So the the terrorists over there, of course, in any situation, there's going to be uh, agitators and there's going to be people driving the war and they're attacking Israel in an unprovoked way and they are dragging in a lot of people that are don't want to have their lives so disrupted into the situation that's become so volatile and I don't know when this is going to end or what the outcome might be but uh what are your thoughts about where this is going in that with the terrorists
1: well, l- let me say this, and you know I know we don't want to get political um because our our heart and our hope is in Jesus Christ, right. but Western Westerners are going to have to realize something that they they don't seem to understand the Islamic perspective is one of you know. Submission of the enemies of Allah, subjugating the enemies of Allah. And it, it, it is good foreign policy to call things by their right name. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might realize the events leading up to this, terrorists on what amounted to like hang gliders that were part of Hamas came into a concert uh, some days before this thing began, October seven and killed concert goers and look if if you don't believe that objective evil exists beheading babies killing people uh violating people and what's so sad is hamas um before the before they struck on october 7th went through took people's car keys um forced people to get inside in other words the the Hamas Palestinians prevented their own people from getting to safety wow it's it, it's it's just it that's just evil and you know what a lot of people don't realize is and this is one of the amazing things is that the the guy that's really the founder of Hamas in the late 70s it was a muslim radical and he um died in 2004 you know in 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 battle over there, he was, uh, you know, attacked. But he was born in Ashkelon, the the place. His name was Ahmad Yassin, the founder of Hamas, one of the modern architects of global terrorism, one of the most anti-Semitic, you know, Jew-hating people of the last 50 years, Mm. leader of the Palestinian attacks on Israel, and yet He was born. See, there were five cities and it was, you know, Goliath of Gath. The the Philistines had five cities, one of which was Ashkelon. And isn't it amazing? First Samuel 17, the battle of David and Goliath, the Philistine soldiers had held Israel at bay for 40 days. And yet the modern Goliath leader of the Philistines was born in Ashkelon, the birthplace of, of Goliath. I mean, Bill, when I read things like this, I'm like, Shakespeare wishes he could have written a plot, this. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, and, and this is real. Um, the fact that Ahmad Yassin is from the hometown of Goliath mm-hmm. tells me, I mean, I I just feel spiritual overtones in that. Do you, you know?
0: Oh, all over the place, Alex. Yeah. Yeah, but.
1: Amazing. Um, let me let me just say, here's one thing we definitively know, folks. These are the days to have one's house in order, shall we say, spiritually. Uh, to everybody that, that may possibly hear this, let me just say, if, if you've never trusted Christ and put your faith in the Lord Jesus, do that today. He's as close by as a prayer. And uh, regardless of whether this escalates, and it is escalating, uh, America is over there. Other nations are bringing soldiers and armaments. Yeah, you know, I. this is not the Battle of Armageddon. Um, it, it could get there, but, I. you know, what we can know is how to be ready for the end of time, whether by the return of Christ, global nuclear war, or our own mortality, We are all going to leave this world, and the way to
0: be ready and prepared is to have put one's faith in Christ. Yeah. Alex, nothing more important than that. Uh, Where are you today uh, with Jesus? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Have you given him your allegiance? Um, Have you believed on his name? Have you confessed with your mouth um, that he is your Savior and Lord? And what a beautiful moment if you have, and if you have not— Uh, What a beautiful day to do it. Amen. Yeah.
1: Amen. We we often say this, but it's true. It's no cliche. Jesus is as close by as a prayer.
0: Yeah, it's right there. All you have to do is say, Father, um, I have not gotten my life right with you, and I am a sinner, and I have understood that you've come, and you died for my sins. You went to the cross. You rose from the dead, and I want to put my faith and belief in you. And trust you for my life. And I want to do that today. And if you prayed a simple prayer like that, you have crossed from death to life. If you sincerely believe in your heart that, in fact, you have given Jesus your heart and your life. Anything else else to add to that, Alex? Did I miss anything? Uh, Well,
1: uh, you know, do it today. I mean... You could be you don't have to wait to go to church, although you know I believe that we need to be in church on Sunday and be a part of a, a good church, but somebody uh driving in the car, or somebody at home or uh or do it today, the Bible says now is the accepted time yeah. today is the day of salvation, and then the beautiful thing, Bill, we've talked about this: salvation is such a glorious topic. there's Christian birth, and there's Christian growth. Christian birth is an event, and Bill, you just so beautifully explained a, a prayer, you know, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, I believe Jesus died for me and rose again, Lord, I'm trusting what you did on the cross as the payment for my sins, please, you know, wash my sins away, save me, make me your child. It's not so much the words, but the sincerity of your heart, but these things, and and. Variations of this have been shared endlessly, ABC, admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, call on his name. And uh, but then there's not only the event of Christian birth, but the adventure of Christian growth. Yeah. And Bill, isn't it exciting? Somebody could be a Christian for a year, a decade, 75 years every day. We grow, we walk with the Lord, we learn more and more about his love and his faithfulness. And as long as we're in this world, being his child and being a disciple, it
0: it shapes every day of our life. Mm, And it does so in glorious ways. It does. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. We're going to take just a very short break and be back with Alex. Hello, cheerful givers. It is always amazing that you live so intentionally and give so sacrificially and are so generous in all that you do, whether it's financial gifts or it's your time and talents and resources God has given you. You are making an incredible difference for the kingdom and kingdom advances through prayer and giving. And we don't want to have the year end without inviting you to make that end of the year tax deductible gift to help support Faith Radio. Your gift right now keeps us spreading the good news in front of a lot of people. So thank you for giving by clicking the link in the show notes or giving at MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Welcome to the show. Dr. Alex McFarlane is with me today always enjoy talking to him. You can learn more about him at alexmcfarland.com. He's got a wonderful podcast, too. I've been there listening. He's described as trusted, truthful, and timely, and he's all of the above. So, um, Alex, thanks again for uh, being on the program, talking today about the situation in Israel. And I'm not following the news very carefully, but I appreciate the fact that you are and the biblical implications that it has. All over Scripture, do we know that uh, that God protects Israel and watches over. I was reading Psalm 121 last night, and it just talked about uh, that, that he indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. What do people think about when they read a verse like that and they see all the bombs that are going off in Israel?
1: Well, you know, let's. there, there are two words that are worth bringing into this conversation, proximate and ultimate okay um ultimate God's ultimate sovereignty, god's ultimate control, you know in psalm uh, eighty three where it talks about it's very interesting in verse sixteen and eighteen, I would urge people to read psalm eighty three and and I want to talk a little bit about some of these nations because in um one of my books I, I did a book on one hundred Bible questions and answers. And then uh, just a week ago came out this brand new book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families, and I give God the glory there in um, major retailers. L- let me just say, if you have a local Christian bookstore, folks, patronize your local Christian bookstore, but um, these, for the first time, really, these question books that I've done are showing up in major national retailers, and I give God the glory for that, but... In Psalm 83, um, you know, it's redemptive in that it's saying, you know, uh, fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. And then it goes on and it says um, that men may know that your name alone is Jehovah, the most high over all the earth. Now, here's the thing that, um, you know, we want people to know. We want people to know that even though it's a fallen world, and in a world of sin, there, there can be proximate evil and pain and suffering. That mean, Proximate means way up close. But then ultimately, God prevails. God, God has. I mean, my goodness, after a 1,900-year absence, Israel was brought back into existence. And through battle after battle, the Six-Day War in 1967, where um, Israel tripled their land mass and then... The uh, Yom Kippur War, it's interesting, Muslims call the 1973 Yom Kippur War the Ramadan War. But 50 years and one day later, that was the attack that we see happening you know, right now. But ultimately, God is in control. Bill, sometimes scholars use the word sovereign, mm-hmm. that God, God is sovereign. It, it's very interesting, that word has the implication let's say somebody falls into a ditch and somebody can straddle the ditch yet reach down in the ditch it means super above now what does that mean well sovereignty means you're above the situation but you're able to reach in and intervene within the situation and god is able to intervene and he ultimately prevails but what what's interesting uh, i think is like in the ezekiel 38 2 through 6 lists all these nations with odd sounding names Gog and Magog and Rosh and Meshach and Tubal and Persia and Ethiopia and Libya Gomer and What what's amazing in the Psalm 83 um, is you've got nations 17 nations the the Ishmaelites the descendants of Hagar I mean Bill, I I really think to understand world history and modern history, you've got to understand not only the Bible, but especially the book of Genesis. Abraham and Sarah, Hagar and Ishmael, and the Arabic nations come from that lineage, the Edomites. Mm -hmm. And then Isaac and the Jewish people. And so, uh, you know, you've got Magog... Um, it is really a lot of nations that make up now what we would call Russia. Rosh, uh, most historians believe is Russia. Uh, Meshach and Tubal are parts of what are modern day Turkey. Persia is modern day Iran, which perhaps has nuclear capabilities. Um, you know, I, I gotta say, it's almost like, The uh, international struggles of the Middle East uh, were written hundreds of years ago in the pages of Scripture. Not almost, but
0: they are. Mm. Fascinating, isn't it? It's just absolutely fascinating. And uh, Alex, you mentioned earlier about the 1900 years when the nation of Israel was brought back into existence. That's going to be a topic that people are thinking. Tell me more about that.
1: Well, yeah, um and and it's a miracle story. L- let me tell this very quickly. I think this is just amazing. Okay, oh, yeah. March of AD 70, Rome blitzkrieged Jerusalem and Israel ceased to be a nation. There was the dispersion uh and you know, the Jews didn't have a homeland. And so, you know, you you've got 1948 to 70 AD you know that's a gap of almost 1900 years 1878 years but here's what happened and th- this really is a miracle there's there was a beautiful documentary on that's on online you can watch in world war 1 uh did i ever tell the story about Keim Weizmann no. being knighted by britain and churchill and and lord balfour did i ever tell you this no, story you Bill? didn't i want to hear it well folks this is amazing um in in the in the early eighteen hundreds, there was a great revival in Britain, and there was a lot of talk about the end times, and so the the return of Christ. But at that point in the early eighteen hundreds, Israel didn't exist as a nation, and people said, "Well, my goodness, like the Book of Revelation, it says, you know, Israel this, Jerusalem that. How do we make sense of this?" Well, fast forward to World War One. Uh, Britain was in danger of losing to the Germans because they couldn't make ammunition. They needed acetone. Mm -hmm. Well, there was a chemist at Oxford, a Jewish man named Chaim Weizmann. He prayed, and he found a way to synthesize acetone. And they were able to make ammunition. It was a workaround. And after World War I, um, they wanted to knight him, Churchill Wanted to knight him, and he said, "Well, let's. Um, here, here's what would help me out: meet my friend David Ben Gurion, who was the first prime minister of Israel. Ultimately, and you know, let's reestablish the nation of Israel." And Winston Churchill said, "Look, we have five million acres in Uganda, and we'll help you. Uh, we'll give that to the Jewish people, and we'll call that the New Jerusalem." And Weitzman and David Ben-Gurion said, no, it's got to be the real Israel. And Britain has uh, power there in Transjordan. So, um, Lord Arthur Balfour, now get this, and you're going to see the sovereignty of God. I'll be very quick. Arthur Balfour, his grandfather was a Plymouth Brethren preacher who had preached that just before the return of Christ, Israel would be a nation again. Mm -hmm. And Balfour told Churchill, not only can we help reestablish the nation of Israel, we might even be playing a role in Bible prophecy. Churchill said, well, we can't do it without America. Harry Truman's a Christian. Let's get him on board. Long story short, May 14, 1948, Israel was rebirthed as a nation. 12.01 a.m., about 12 hours later, President Harry Truman said the United States recognizes the sovereign nation of Israel. And uh, I think Balfour was right. Churchill understood it. Harry Truman definitely understood it. Uh, The rebirth of Israel was prophecy coming to pass before their very eyes. I really
0: do believe that. Fascinating story. Boy, Alex, thank you so much for all the information on, on what's going on over in Israel. And I appreciate our conversation as always. And I hope you uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless you and God bless Faith Radio. Thanks thank Bill. You so much. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. You can learn more about Alex at alexmcfarland.com. We're going to take a break. When we come back, O.S. Hawkins is going to join us. He's got uh, a book about Philemon, which I can't wait to talk to him about. Be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy.
1: It's the Afternoon Show
2: with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold.
0: Welcome to the show, especially if you just climbed in your car or you're just finishing your day. I always love to spend this part of the afternoon with you, and I hope you find this to be a time of refreshing in the Lord. Uh, My guest today is Dr. O.S. Hawkins. He has got an incredible heart uh, for ministry. He also just loves people, and he has a very gift uh, for writing and speaking um so very glad to have him back on he's written a series of books called the code series and all the royalties from these books get donated to mission and uh, dignity which helps retired missionaries ministers workers and their spouses so that's his heart and he's sold over two million of these books and the latest book that he has in the in the code series is uh, about philemon and i'm very excited to talk to him about that what i'm also glad is that he was listening to the program just before coming on so i love he had a Chance to listen to my previous guest, Dr. Alex McFarland, and he uh, was listening to that conversation. Has got a couple of things to contribute to it as well. OS, welcome. Hey, Bill. Thank you so much, and thank yeah. you for having
2: that having that segment on on Israel. You know, <clears throat> there's an interesting sideline to that last story he was telling about Harry Truman, President Truman recognizing okay. the state of Israel. In fact, I write about it. I wrote a book called In the Name of God, the Conflicting uh, the uh, Lives, Legacies, and Legends of J. Frank Norris and George W. Truett. The book's called In the Name of God. And in the 1940s, J. Frank Norris was pastor of the First Baptist Church in Fort Worth. And for many years, it was the largest church in the nation. He was a brilliant, brilliant uh, expositor of scripture. He was very controversial in many ways big premillennialist. And Harry Truman was a Southern Baptist and had an affinity in some ways for Norris. And he so in nineteen forty seven they began to change exchange letters, which many of them I I have revealed in this book in the name of God. And President Truman writes to Norris asking him about what does the Bible say about the reestablishment of the state of Israel, and they go back and forth with Norris with all the prophecies and all that goes on he in, he invited Dr. Norris to the White House for a conference on it and so the bottom line is that the it, in in may of forty eight when the this nation was established and when we were the first nation to recognize it behind that was really a Baptist preacher who who really uh infused uh, President Truman with so much of the Bible prophecy related to the state of Israel. So the whole nation of Israel is a miracle, and I know many people are praying for them today.
0: Mm-hmm, indeed. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that 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 additional bit. That's really um, powerful. I appreciate that. All right. Can we talk about the Code Series, the Connection no, Code? I'd love to. <clears throat> yeah, because yeah, to. life is about relationships, right? Everything in life, uh, Bill, is about relationships.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah, right. Philemon's a little letter that's just tucked away over there uh, in, in our New Testament. If you get to Titus, you turn right, you find mm-hmm. it on one page right before <laughs> Hebrews. It only has 25 verses, mm-hmm. five paragraphs, but it is packed with truth on building relationships. You know, the essence of what Paul is saying here to Philemon uh, it, it's, it comes in the context of when on one of Paul's missionary journeys, he went through a village, a town called Colossae and he led somebody to Christ there by the name of Philemon, a wealthy landowner and entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And Philemon's life was totally transformed. He started a church in his home. Paul continued on his missionary journeys, ended up being incarcerated in Rome, put in prison and, <clears throat> Philemon had a contractual worker there as Doulas, a bond servant, by the name of Onesimus, who ripped him off mm-hmm. and ran off and uh, made it to the bright lights of Rome. We don't know what happened, but he got arrested and was thrown in prison and finds himself in the very cell with Paul, who leads him to faith in Christ. Onesimus has a complete change of heart. Now he wants to go back to Philemon, Paul's friend, and make restitution and so Paul writes this letter to Philemon. Uh, I can't even imagine the shock that Philemon had when he received this letter, and seeing that Onesimus, this this runaway servant who had ripped him off, has now come to faith, and Paul is is saying to him, I want you to take him back. He's my own flesh, and receive him back and forgive him, so it's a whole case study, really, in the art of building positive and productive interpersonal relationships
0: Mm, it's just a a, really a powerful story and like you say it's it's one page and we can learn a lot about relationship building um they were uh warm and respectful with each other and you know if if this guy that used to work for you takes off with your money and steals from you how quick are you to want to restore yourself to that person and and become friendly and 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 warm with that person
2: right you know but what, what Paul is getting at when he writes this little letter, he's, he's reminding us <clears throat> that there are only three relationships in life. And everybody listening to us right now, Bill, uh, we only have three relationships in life. We have an outward expression, an external expression. That's the relationship we have with each other at home, at the office and church and the social arena uh, where we're made to connect with each other. You know, at the end of every great creative act in Genesis, God spoke. And he said, that's good. He divided the sea and land and said, that's good. He made the plant life. He said, that's good. He made the animal life. He said, that's good. And he kept saying, that's good. That's good. And then he made man. And mm-hmm. he said something. Else. He said, not good. It's not good for man to be alone. We're made to connect with each other in these interpersonal relationships. But there's a second relationship we have. And it's not just that outward expression. It's that inward expression, the relationship we have with ourselves call it self-worth or self-respect, self-esteem, whatever you want to. So much of what goes on in frayed outward relationships is really just uh, uh, really just a, a, a projection of what's going on uh, within ourselves. And then there's one other relationship Bill that it's an awesome thought. It's what distinguishes us from all the other created order. And that is that we have a relation. We have the capacity to enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and know Him in the intimacy of Father and Child. And so, the bottom line Paul is getting at is this: we're never going to be properly related to each other until we're properly related to ourselves, and that's never really going to happen until we find our self worth in Christ and me, the hope of glory. Paul said in that personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. O.S. Hawkins is my guest, and we're talking about his book, The Connection Code, Relationship Advice from Philemon. And it's uh, this book gives us really uh, a template for how to deal with issues of disagreement um, as we look at the book of Philemon. So it really is a, a powerful book, and we can gain so much from it. One of the things I saw in your book, and you talk about putting it into practice, this principle of putting it into practice and you've got a whole bunch of peas and i've i love all all six of them would you be willing to talk about those yeah yeah
2: i just uh i just try to do i just alliterate some things to help people to uh to get it and to understand it sure you know this this is the uh th- this code book uh the connection code is the 15th bill in a. Long series of these code book devotionals. It started with the Joshua Code, 52 scripture verses every believer should know. Uh, and the Jesus Code, 52 scripture questions every believer should answer. I believe the 52 questions in the Bible we all ought to answer before we go to heaven. And it just went on and on. And the purpose of all of them is not to get people into the word, but to get the word, uh, into the people. And when we get, when we get the word of God into our own lives, it, uh, it, it really, really makes a difference in, in who we are and, and, and what we do in answer to your question. Uh, I'm going to, I, I, I just was talking about that and I got off track for just a moment, but let me, let me just come back to say in this book of Philemon that there are five paragraphs here that relate to every to five important aspects of interpersonal relationship. You know, the first paragraph. Now, Philemon's getting this letter. I like to try to put myself in his skin. Think about if you were Philemon, you got this letter from this man that led you to Christ, this great man, Paul. And in the first paragraph, he says, Philemon, your love has given me great hope and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Hmm. Well, Bill, if you when you and I get a letter from somebody, uh, that first paragraph is important, what they say. If I get a letter from somebody that gives me a pat on the back and a word of affirmation off the back, I sit up and want to read the rest of the letter. <laughs> I do too. This, was, this was exactly Paul's technique here. Now, he's going to ask him something in a minute. He's going to ask him to do something hard mm-hmm. to take this back. Yeah. But before he does... He reaches out and gives him a pat on the back. I, Bill, i tell you what. I had a high school English teacher that literally changed the way I thought about myself with one simple pat on the back. Affirmation is so important. We're talking to, to people right now listening to us, some of whom haven't had a word of affirmation in years. Maybe. I know No one's given them a pat on the back. And, you know, uh, we reap what we sow. So instead of saying i wonder why I, I want to challenge our hearers to pat somebody on the back for right. the week so
0: i, I love it give
2: somebody a word of affirmation yeah it, it can it can be transformative in their lives
0: yes yeah. os we have to take one little short break but don't lose your train of thought because you're on a brilliant roll all right so we'll be okay. right back dr os hawkins is my guest and his book is the connection code relationship advice from philemon we'll be right back You've probably heard me talk about hope quite a bit this season, and I think it's because we need to hear more about it. We need to encourage one another with hope. We need to build one another up with the hope that we have in Christ. And if you are feeling lonely, or maybe you are having periods of disappointment or despair, and you need hope, we want you to know that you can always come to God's Word for hope. Hope will always be there for you, waiting. And if you are struggling to make it to the next moment, I want you to be able to text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. The book of Philemon, 25 verses. You should read it tonight. It's awesome. We're learning uh, more about the book of Philemon from Dr. O.S. Hawkins, who's written a book called The Connection Code, Relationship Advice from Philemon. And right before the break, uh, O.S., we were talking about you should make an effort to affirm somebody. And I can speak from experience. When I get a, a positive note, an affirmation from someone who listens to the show or wants to make a comment on something they heard and they add in some affirmation, uh, for the host, which I guess would be me, uh, it makes a world of difference. It's just, I can't believe how good it feels.
2: Yeah, really, it does. And and uh, this is what Jesus did, Bill. He went around affirming people. He yeah. met a woman at a one day. She hadn't heard a word of affirmation, I'm sure, in years. And he told her of living water, changed her life. She brought her whole village to him. And he met a woman taken in adultery one time, and everybody was, ready to stone her and he said, Look, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. And she said, Somebody believes in me. Uh he he was on the cross and reached out and with a gave that thief a pat on the back, said, Today you're going to be with me in wow. paradise. And and when he was baptized, the father spoke from heaven and gave him a pat on the back. Said, This is my beloved son. In him I'm well pleased. And so there's a there's a liberating effect that that comes with affirmation. And this is what uh, this is how Paul begins the letter. Now he goes on to talk about how he's going to need to receive he's going he's going to call on uh, Philemon to forgive Onesimus and forgiveness is a vital part in relationships.
0: Mhm. Just as a, a side note to that the baptism when Jesus comes out of the the water and the, the heaven's part and the voice of God says this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. You know, just from a human standpoint, when your parents or your father, your earthly father gives you those words, you're my child, I love you, I'm proud of you. That person goes out most of the time into the world with incredible strength and confidence.
2: Thank you for saying that, Bill. This is so important to any dad or mom that's listening to us right now. There was Susie and I had two daughters we raised. And I tell you, those daughters can testify. There was never one day in their life when they pillowed their head that they hadn't heard their daddy say, "I'm proud to be your dad."
0: Oh, just—I can tear up and right now.
2: It, it, and yeah, and it, it has. A, I had a—I had a father and a mother. I'm an only child. They were in their forties when I was born. Didn't think they could have kids. I'm sure it wasn't a virgin birth, but it was a miracle. <laughs> just and, but my dad worked for the sewer department in the city of Fort Worth, and my mom made pies in the school cafeteria we we grew up with not very much materially at all but i never played in the ball game my dad wasn't there he let me he made me think i could do anything in the world i wanted to do and those words of affirmation that i got from him constantly uh made a huge difference in my life so there are a lot of kids that are growing up today that have never heard mom or dad say hey i'm proud to be your dad and so that's a it's a challenge to anybody listening go home and love on your kid
0: tonight yeah. Let them know your and and OS. I know you know people like this who are incredibly gifted, incredibly talented. Uh, They win all these awards and all kinds of things in life, and they're still trying to win their dad's approval.
2: Uh, (laughs) One thousand,
0: yeah. They're still hoping Uh, their dad will be proud of them.
2: And you know, I did a a study some time ago, Bill, on uh, uh, these two lost generations to the church, and the number one quest in their life the number one thing for which they're looking, they're searching for a meaningful relationship in life. And many, many of these young adults and young people, they've never known one, especially with the male figure. They're the product of massive divorce. And many of them are homesick for a home they've never had. And they're searching for a meaningful relationship in life. And, you know, we're the only ones that have the answer because there's no meaningful relationship in life that doesn't begin. With a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is what Paul is getting at here in this little letter. To the
0: a- Amen. And Dr. Hawkins, talk about how Paul made it plain and made it passionate.
2: Yeah, he 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 he, he picked, pull no punches. You know, there's so many clever little things, Bill, in this letter. For example, after he tells Onesima, uh, tells Philemon, Onesimus is coming back. If he owes you anything, charge it to me. Well, when he said that, Philemon said, man, he, he's committed to Onesimus. He said, uh, I want you to receive him back no longer as a servant or a slave, but as a dear brother uh, and forgive him. And then Paul closes this little letter to Philemon with these words. He said, oh, by the way, get the guest room ready. I'm coming by for a visit. <laughs> well, when Philemon, when Philemon read that, he said, uh oh, he's going to come by and check on me. He's gonna hold me accountable, and you know accountability is so vital. I uh, I have a I have a car like most of us. Every, every ten thousand miles, I take it in for a checkup. I have a house, and it, we had to replace some wood in the eaves recently. It wasn't leaking, but it was preventive maintenance. I have a body, not much one, but I go to Ken Cooper for an annual
1: physical <laughs> every year
2: because. Much of what goes wrong with my car, my house, my body does so because of one word: neglect. And if if accountability is good for those physical things, how much better is it for our own relationships to be in accountability? You know, I'm accountable to my wife. You know, we believe in the biblical truth: the husband is the head of the wife, but we're we're in mutual submission to each other. I don't. I'm not just going to go out anywhere and do whatever I want to do tonight. I'm. 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 I'm mutually, I'm accountable to her and we all need to to be accountable to someone in life.
0: Mm -hmm. And so the relationship was really important to Paul and Philemon. And it seems that they had a, um, a great, a great relationship despite the, the disagreement they were having and despite the conflict that could have been in the relationship. And it ended up, Really working out great?
2: I, I think there's an indication, there's a side historical note from antiquity that lends itself to believe that this all worked out. Because in 115 AD, Ignatius, who was pastor of the great missionary church at, at Antioch, wrote a letter in 115 AD. Now, this was this was several many years after Paul wrote this letter to Philemon. And he wrote the letter to the Bishop of Ephesus. That was where Colossae was. And the Bishop of Ephesus name was Onesimus. <laughs> I like, I like to think it might be the same guy. Mm. And, uh, is what it came back, you know, and to just put a cap on it. One time, uh, someone came to Jesus and said, good master, all the commandments in the Torah, in the Bible, what's the greatest And he put all three of these relationships in that great commandment. What what did Jesus say? He said, love the Lord with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The outward expression, the inward expression, the upward expression. So life is all about relationships. That's why we wrote the connection code so that people could learn to live with these five important principles in building relationships uh bill if people want to know more about any of these code books or this or mission dignity mm-hmm. go to os there are hundreds of free leadership ministry resources there information about all the books are there and mission dignity which i thank you for mentioning that all the royalties now they've sold over three million copies actually and wow. all those royalties have gone to these precious widows and pastors and wow. they're declining at the poverty level.
0: Wow. So I, I so appreciate your heart and well, thank tremendous. You. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
2: Well, it's my honor and joy and I thank you for having
0: me. Well, I'll have you back anytime. Thank you so much. I
2: look forward to it. Okay. Blessings
0: on you. You bet. Dr. O.S. Hawkins has been my guest and his book is called The Connection Code, Relationship Advice from by Lehman. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute.